Welcome to Success Hackers, Cracking the Entrepreneurial Code, the podcast that's focused on empowering entrepreneurs to find the edge and take their business to a whole nother level. We're peeking behind the curtain to learn entrepreneurial shortcuts and success strategies from the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Get ready for mind-blowing entrepreneurial tips with your host, high-performance business coach, keynote speaker, and author, Scott Hansen. Showtime in three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of Success Hackers. This is Scott Hansen, business and marketing strategist, best-selling author, speaker, and of course your podcast host right here on Success Hackers. We are all about empowering our entrepreneurial audience to help you take your business to entirely new heights. We do that by interviewing some of the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet, like the person we're going to bring on very shortly. And I'm telling you what, Hacker Nation, I hope you guys are fired up today. I Today is just one of those days, another one of those days, where I'm just excited to be alive. I'm excited to be doing what I'm doing. I hope you guys are in your business as well. And uh, we're going to be bringing on someone that really can can really help shape the way you're leading and taking your team and your business literally to entirely new heights. All right, Hacker Nation, let's get down to business. Do you wish that your team organization was operating at its highest peak, highest capacity? If not, maybe the answer might be leadership. Well, today our guest is going to be sharing some new leadership styles that can literally start pointing your company in the right direction. Today, our featured guest is Mr. Brad Salas. Brad, are you ready to rock? Yeah. All right. Did I do that, Did I do that right? Brad Salas is a globally recognized leadership and management consultant who helps businesses and organizations dominate their industry by tapping into the treasure of a multi-generational workforce. He shares his management strategies within the pages of his award-winning international bestseller, Liquid Leadership. Brad has been featured in Forbes, Inc., The Huffington Post, New York Magazine, Advertising Age, The International Business Times, just to name a few, along with TV, radio, and podcast appearances on CBS and other media outlets. Brad, welcome to Success Hackers. Man, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate it. So tell us how you got into the leadership space. I know that back in the day you created, uh, if I read correctly, you created the first dot-com agency with no funding, and you ended up bootstrapping to become literally the first dot-com ag- first dot-com company to go public on NASDAQ within 18 months. So how did you go from that world to working with companies in the leadership space? Well, it uh, it wasn't easy. So I get out of college, you know, I go straight to New York City, and about 10 years in, I'm working with um, some big companies, and I'm doing pharmaceutical uh, meetings and things like that, and one of my buddies from college He's getting frustrated with his career as well, and he walks into the office one day. We're hanging out uh, over drinks, and he just says, hey, why don't we start a business? And I said, okay. And uh, like most entrepreneurs, Scott, I don't think we thought it through because we opened our doors and then realized we're in Manhattan, and we're competing with 4,000 other graphic design firms back in 1993. So it was a little bit of a struggle. We had a little 9 by 12 office with two Mac 2 CIs, and uh, we're struggling. And we had some pretty good clients, but not enough to really pay salaries. And one day he walks into the office, it's about a year into it, and he says, we have to become an Internet company. This is like 1994, and I'm savvy, right? So I look him in the eye and I say, what the hell's the internet? <laughs> Do 
Do you, do you remember what it was like back in 94? Some of you are listening, you're like, what? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was gray backgrounds or gray backgrounds, uh, 64-bit color. That was about it. And when he said the Internet and I took a look at it, I was like, are you kidding me? And we had a young man uh, whose wife worked across the hall from us in the building we had rented out. And she said, uh, you got to meet my fiancé. And he came over. And that was Dave Sedner. And he looked at what we were doing. We were doing graphical user interfaces at the time. Uh, and he started to work for us. And I couldn't really afford to pay him a salary. So I basically said, I go, all right, Dave. If you can bring in one million dollars, uh, you know, Dr. Evil, uh, kind of thing, uh, I will not only make you a partner in this company, I'll make you, uh, head of sales and my CEO. Well, in nine months, he sold $1.5 million worth of this brand new thing called the internet. Hmm. The following year, he did $4.3 million, and the year after that, he did $7.9 million in sales. Hmm. Um, he was our rainmaker. Uh, Doug and I had the talent. We had the ability uh, to design and uh, oversee a project because back then it was the beginning of this thing that we call the Internet today, but it was very nascent. And uh, we wound up designing uh, the Gary Kasparov IBM Chess Challenge. We did uh, Bell Atlantic's first websites. We did some live events like uh, Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk, uh, mm. Party, after, after Party, things like that. So this was truly the Wild West at that time. And you may not believe this, but we got clients by sending out a direct marketing postcard campaign. And, and it just said, hey, click here if you want to get on the World Wide Web. And most postcard campaigns are doing well if they get a 4% return. We got an 11% return. Yeah, that's and we a couldn't believe Wow. Yeah. And if anybody else is listening, there was a second part to this that was amazing. Uh, and it taught me the value of press. And uh, I, for some reason, I just had a buddy come by. And he was a photographer. And he took corporate headshots of us. And a week later, Advertising Age called and they said, hey, we're looking for companies that are designing this worldwide web thing. And there were only 10 companies in the entire country at that time, 1995. And all I did, I didn't send any pictures of our work, Scott. I sent pictures of us. And all of a sudden, our phone rang off the hook. And from that moment on, we grew 425% for five straight years. And, and now c- consider this, though. I mean, it was the days of the Internet. Yeah. It was like chumming for a shark. Right. You know, you just, it's like you put your arm out and, whoa, it gets knocked yeah. off. So from that moment on, there were only like 10 companies like CKS and OnRamp. Uh, and within a year of that, all of a sudden, uh, well, A, we went public in 96, but uh, there were hundreds and hundreds of dot-com companies and uh, they all were getting funding, and they were all pretty much started by anybody born around 1977. That's how I discovered that it's a generational thing. They didn't want to work like anybody else sitting in a cubicle like their parents did for 20 years. And uh, we were made up mostly of boomers at my company, and then we, we started hiring that first wave of digital native uh, the Generation X and a little bit of Generation Y. And I really had to learn not only how to sell this thing called the Internet because nobody knew what we were talking about, but I also had to manage suddenly a group of 60 employees who were telling me off my own company. Uh, so if a lot of you are complaining about this generational issue today, uh, I was dealing with the first wave. 
So don't come crying to me. And I know right now you, I mean, this is what you do. You've, you've shifted and now you, one of the things you do pretty much primarily is you talk about leadership and what, what it takes to have great leadership with all these different types of groups. How do you create a high trust, high quality work environment when all generations or where all generations can thrive if you have a company that is made up of, as you put it, boomers and X and Y and millennials? Well, it, th- it's it's actually a business model or management model that we use in the graphic design and advertising agency world. Uh, the first thing is is <laughs> stop hiring, uh, you know, people who cry when they're told they're not doing perfect work. Um, you need to hire fully fully formed adults. And what that means is they may have to go through a rigorous uh, HR vetting program, but you want really dynamic thinkers who are innovative, creative, and you can get the most out of them. Netflix started doing this, and the results were amazing. All they did was hire A players. Instead of two B players, they'd hire one A player, and it changed their productivity model immensely. I mean, honestly, Scott, if you had to have a, a you know, an operation done, you would want a, a really, really good physician working on on you. Am I correct? Of course. So somehow along the way, HR departments and boomers and even a little bit of Gen X, we started to hear these rumors that millennials will cave in if you tell them they aren't perfect, and that's not true. That that may be. Uh, a majority out there, but there's a small minority that really wants to be successful. They want to kick ass and take names. Pardon me if I swore in the show, but they really are dynamic. And you've got to look for them. And I know it may be like looking at a needle in a haystack, uh, but it also may be that your criteria is off a little bit when you're looking for that next generation that really wants to give over to the company. And and I know I keep talking about the generational issues, but here's the reality. Most of the time, in most companies, how did you get your advancement or your raise or whatever? It's usually based on age and loyalty. We actually have to kind of remove that now and look at who's the contributing skill set or where is that contributing skill set coming from? And that's incredibly important to start looking at now. It's not... How long have you been here and how much knowledge have you accumulated and how do you, do you get that corner office that's awesome to, okay, what are you bringing to the team today? And believe it or not, the if you start looking at Generation X and, and even Millennials and Gen Z, they learned this team functionality really from video games. And it's a, it's actually a faster way to work because our military works like this when they're in the field. When you're in a war zone, Everybody's leadership role is rotational. So that doesn't mean you have one person in charge of the whole hierarchy. What you have is somebody who knows how to pass off each individual task to the right members with the right skill set. And that rotates constantly. You, I, I remember reading someplace, you once said the reason we must adapt, in kind of what we're talking about right now, the reason we must adapt to a new management style is because of two reasons. People have changed dramatically from generation to generation. Each has different needs, wants, and goals, along with technology giving smaller companies the ability to compete with larger ones. So what's maybe one takeaway you can share to help them become better leaders in their place of business? Is it, you mentioned hiring, but I mean, like you said, I mean, there's only so much that can be done. Maybe they can look at certain things maybe differently. Maybe they can 
they can promote, like you said, based on performance versus tenure. But someone's listening right now on a treadmill or on their way home from their place of business saying, man, I, I really need to have my teams collaborate more effectively or put certain benchmarks or parameters. What do you coach and what do you teach on to do that? I use the, the, the structure that our military is actually starting to use. Uh, if you went back about 10, 15 years ago, our army discovered that a lot of young people were dropping out during boot camp. This is a generation that was never yelled at, never told off, never insulted. And so they started to realize that there was a 12% increase in dropout rates. And they couldn't believe this was going on. And they finally figured out, here's the best way to do it. The commanding officer, an older commanding officer who had earned their stripes, would go through the boot camp training with the new recruits. And a lot of these young people said the reason they were able to get through the training is because of their commanding officer. And then when they were deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan, these COs went with them. And a lot of them said, a lot of them have stated this, and I've interviewed them one-on-one. They said, we couldn't have made it through if it wasn't for my commanding officer. So what I'm talking about here is role model mentorship. We can no longer sit in our office and shut the door and hide. Mm. We have to get involved and pick our winners on our team and start working with them interpersonally a little bit. I would take two or three of your team members, start taking them out to coffee, listen to their suggestions, and look them right in the eye and say, hey, how would you run this better? Interesting. So what I'm hearing is rather than rather than the old model, which is like you said, kind of I've earned my stripes. I am now in the corner office. This is what needs to be done. This is how you need to do it. You're saying rather than tell, you're saying show. Exactly. And this command structure where, you know, I invented Teflon back in the 70s. You need to kneel before Zod. That kind of management is over because people walk away from that. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to be under that because that assumes that the person under them does not bring value to the table. And a lot of people today realize that they are a part of your bottom line success. And that doesn't mean you coddle them and that doesn't mean you put up with them. I've fired a lot of people (laughs) in my life. Uh, But I really believe it's instrumental in getting in there and saying, uh, how can I help you become better at what you do? I own the company, so I don't have to prove myself, but I want your very best. And the only way to get the very best out of people is start treating them as a peer, as somebody who's equal. Yes, they don't have 20 years of experience, but if they have a skill set that you truly need, you need to lead that person differently than somebody you're just commanding who just walked into the, the secretarial pool. And I just dated myself by saying that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't want any women listening be insulted by that because I'm a very big fan of women in the boardroom and taking the lead. But do you see how far we have come in the last 40 years? I mean, this is astounding to me. Yeah, it really is. And I, and I think Hacker Nation, I, I love the way Brad put it. Um, and he's absolutely right. I mean, we've had on a few people on the show where they've talked, they were CEOs of companies, and they said that the biggest shift for them personally was 
to quote unquote get out of the corner office and empower the team and share what's happening, really share what's happening with the business. And when you do that, you allow everybody to feel like they're part of something rather than just a paycheck. And I know one person in particular that we had on the show who runs a multi-million dollar business, and he said when he realized that was happening and people were actually leaving, he had to look at himself in the mirror and say, what is happening? He did sort of this internal thing. He, he met with some, inter, uh, some stakeholders and said, guys, what am I doing wrong? He said, do you really want to know? He said, the reason what you're doing wrong is you're demanding and telling versus asking and empowering. And he said right. it was a really big shift for him to make because it's like, hey, I'm the owner of the business. Why do I have to, quote, unquote, stoop down to the rest of the team's level? When he did that, the whole business shot through the roof, and now they're doing so much better. Yeah. It's it's truly about learning the art of persuasion in this day and age, Scott. I mean, it's 21st century leadership skills. And uh, I was forced to make that shift back in the 90s because I started firing people and I realized if I don't change, I'm going to have an office filled of just desks and chairs and no employees because they're just going to leave. Yeah. And I started to realize... A, they're smarter than me because they were trained, they were building websites while they were in college. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. So I'm sitting here going, hmm. And, and if you've seen any of my work and my research, you know that the technology has actually changed their behavior. So I wasn't raised in it. So I have to kind of listen to them and acquiesce a little bit to their knowledge base. And our job as leaders really is to see the bigger picture and guide them towards uh, the success within the company, but also figuring out the ROI on what they're doing. Yeah. And that may take incubation. That may take time. That may take you de- putting some money into developing something that is a product. Uh, before we we uh, went live, we were in the green room and we were talking a little bit about this. Making money while you sleep is now bigger than anything else because if you can create a product that is self-running, self-perpetuating, uh, you're going to be golden in the 21st century. What is liquid leadership? I know your book is uh, that's the name of your book. So what what is uh, what is liquid leadership? It's a term I coined right after having my butt kick. <laughs> it's uh, usually what happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's usually uh, you get slapped around, and I realize, you know, I better adapt and change and grow and listen. And really what uh, liquid leadership is is a particular management model that allows you uh, to let the work flow and for you to see opportunities from the what's going on in your organization that you can utilize in an ever-shifting marketplace. That's a lot of gobbledygook, I know, but basically it boils down to this. Uh, we have to pay attention to the shifts that are happening externally as well as internally and be able to catch some of the really great innovation that's coming along and utilize that uh, for bigger profits and to expand our companies. Yeah, in Hacker Nation, we're going to have um, an area where you can actually pick up Brad's book, <clears throat> Liquid Leadership, here. Uh, I'll, I'll mention that at the end of the show where you can get this book and uh, learn more about that because I think it's a game changer. For any oh, of you out you. there right now that are listening that have a team and you're thinking to yourself, how do I get this team to be more cohesive, to collaborate, uh, to be on the same page so I can empower them, they can empower everybody, and we feel like... We just feel like when we come to work every day, we just feel empowered and ready to kick ass uh, and take names. But I want to I want to shift gears for a second and uh, shine the success hack 
spotlight on you, Brad. Our Hacker Nation listeners actually listen to the show for success hacks and strategies to help grow themselves in their business. You've already talked about leadership, the importance of leadership. You've talked about how we need to start shifting and thinking about leadership a little bit differently. But what's maybe one, just one, takeaway success hack that our listeners can implement like starting today to help grow themselves and their leadership? Be open to change. That's the number one. Be open to change. Because when that Internet came along, I was really against it. Because it really wasn't a big money-making sector. Uh, we were still doing annual reports and things like that. And now you have apps that are going to be replacing CPAs. So if you don't adapt and change and you don't pay attention and put your ear to the ground and start listening, and this goes back to the role model mentorship, when you start listening to subtle shifts and changes that are taking place and adapting to them, you're going to stay cutting edge and you're going to stay on top of everything that's happening today. What would you say to that person that says, you know what, I've been there, done it, I have earned my stripes, Um, I've owned the business for 20 years, and whatever kind of business they do, uh, it really doesn't matter. What would you say to that person that says, yeah, you know what, that that newer type of stuff, the Internet stuff, the, uh, the app, all of these other things, I don't really need to surround myself or learn more about that. I will suggest to them to go Google this company, Columbia House Records and Tapes. <laughs> <laughs> or Blockbuster yeah. Video. Or, yeah. Yeah. If you're a baby boomer, you remember uh, you'd send a penny in the mail and you'd get 14 albums sent to your house. <laughs> now, this was a book subscription model that they adapted to the technology that was available. You know, you get cassettes and you could get eight track tapes. I had eight track tapes when I was growing up and, and record albums. And they dominated the industry with that. Well, they didn't adapt. Hmm. They didn't adapt to the new technology and the changes. And guess what? Columbia House was cutting edge in its day and age. Yeah. And they just forgot to adapt. Mm-hmm. And look at, yeah, you mentioned Blockbuster. Blockbuster sat back at a time when rental fees were a billion, or late fees, let me correct myself, late fees were a billion dollar industry, Scott. You mm-hmm. remember that? I do, right? And absolutely. Guess, and guess what? People would just sit there, you know, Congress even asked them, they go, what, why, this is a, a travesty, it's a billion dollar industry, and they're like, well, what are we going to do about it? People are late all the time. Well, you know who did something about it? Reed Hastings. He was so mad when he took back the right stuff, VHS tape, they charged him $40 in late fees, and he was so mad he started Netflix. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that so somebody, That's great. If you don't change, yeah. guess what? There is somebody behind you saying, you know what? That guy doesn't deserve to be in that leadership position anymore. That business doesn't deserve to be there anymore. We're taking it down. You know, the next generation doesn't doesn't sit there and go, oh, wow, you're amazing. No, they're going to gut you. That's <laughs> they're right. Gonna just, they're just going to create something. that They'll gamify everything you've created. Fantastic. Well, Brad, we are now entering the randomness round, but before we do, let's take a moment to learn something brand new that we have going on. So Hacker Nation, do you feel maybe a little stuck in your business or maybe even hit a plateau? Maybe you're not even sure how to market your business effectively, drive leads, or even get new clients or become more productive, or maybe you're just not quite sure how to scale or even go big in your business. Well, you're absolutely going to love this. I have a brand new free training on how to go from where you're at today 
to creating and sustaining a seven and multiple seven figure business. Absolutely no fluff, no selling whatsoever, no bullshit. Straight content and teaching on how to scale your business. Oh, and by the way, it's 100% free. So to sign up for this training, just go to Big Business Webinar. That's bigbusinesswebinar.com to grab your free spot. Okay, Brad, we are back and about to enter the randomness round. It's kind of like putting you on the success hackers version of the hot seat. Well, whatever is the first answer that comes to mind, just let it rip. So, Brad, are you ready for the randomness round? Yeah, here we go. Best advice you've ever received? I'd have to say it's from my grandfather. Uh, and it really was find a way, find another way. And, and it really comes out of a story of he had a bar down in Pennsylvania, and he asked somebody to do the landscaping on the grounds because they owed him money. And it, rather than ruin the friendship, the guy did the landscaping. Well, a month later, all the trees, the evergreen trees around the property were dead. They were brown. So my grandfather was mad, and he pulled me aside, and I'm four years old, and he goes, come on, Bradley, we're going to the hardware store. He bought about 16 cans of green spray paint. And he spray painted all those trees green and put green spotlights on them. And they were like that for 20 years. And when he sold the building and he sold the business, uh, nobody knew that those were basically props. And uh, so I, I learned from my grandfather something funny, but it was an incredibly valuable lesson. And that is never give up, find a new way, and basically retain the relationship. What's a daily habit that you do sometime throughout the day that puts you in a great frame of mind? Writing. You mm -hmm. now own a time machine. I want you to travel back in time to when you were 25 years old again. What advice <laughs> would your current self, knowing about life and business, give your 25-year-old self? I would tell myself to lighten the hell up. Uh, I was very ambitious at a young age. I mean, I, I put a lot of responsibility on my shoulders, uh, wanted to be successful, and I know it paid off, and yeah, I'm, I'm in papers and all that, but the reality is I, I don't know if I enjoyed the, the ride the way I should have, Scott. You mm -hmm. know, I don't think I enjoyed traveling until I got older uh, or wound up going to great places or hanging out with other people and just being in the moment and shutting up and enjoying the moment. What is one trait that you have that's contributed mostly to your success? I think big. You know, some of you who are listening, you may not see certain traits that you have innately. You may not see them as a big deal, but it is the big deal that made you take that leap and go into business for yourself. And I always say this to people. Some people goes, what? What makes you become an entrepreneur? And I'll tell you what it is. It's anger. You, you, you see something stupid happening or you see a hole in the marketplace and you, you just emotionally cannot sit back anymore and take a, a check from nine to five. What's a hidden talent that you have that most people may not know about you? I can impersonate anybody just about. <laughs> and, and I use that on, when I'm doing a keynote. Uh, I wind up in impersonating the, the CEO or, or someone, or I do a, a mean Christopher Walken uh, on stage, and people, you know, kind of go, "Whoa!" Or, or you, you name it. I mean, I can I can do it. Lately, I've been doing Donald Trump, so that's been All fun. Right, let's hear it. You know, this is tremendous, Scott. Is uh, I've been doing business with a lot of great entrepreneurs for years. Uh, it's just tremendous. It's bigly. Bigly, the things that I like to see. Friend? Yeah, very good, very good. 
What is one book that you've read that's made an impact on your business? Rework, I thought was phenomenal. Uh, Rework, uh, if you haven't read it, it's, it, it just says, look, for years we've been doing these business plans with a five-year projection, 10-year projection. This is like Ouija board kind of stuff. Uh, and they basically said, look, we look for missing links in the software uh, you know, line of entrepreneurs, uh, and and we just basically build software that's needed. We don't we don't plan. <laughs> you know, it's, and some people would tear their hair out at that. But the reality is, is our business cycles are happening so fast now. Most CEOs are looking at three months out, yeah. six months out, things yeah. like that. So to have these business plans and sit there with with bar charts and a roadshow and a PowerPoint presentation, and you just sit there going, "This is our projected earnings over the next five years." You cannot predict that. You mm. just can't anymore. And any anybody who's investing in a company who thinks that there is a five year plan, they're living in the past. Yeah, it's really about finding cycles. Quick and, and, and easy, creating value, creating products that people are going to become obsessed with. If you could recommend one social media tool or overall service to our hacker nation, what would that be? I think LinkedIn is underutilized. I really think it's underutilized. You, as a, maybe you're a small business owner. Uh, but you can use that to create uh, your presence, your brand, and everything online and connect to people. Get the sales navigator tool. That's the number one thing. Well, Brad, you are now officially off the randomness round hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, is, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for your time Thank and you. these success strategies. Where can our Cheers, listeners God. find out more about you and your business? Go to liquidleadership.com. That's my blog, and it'll lead you to my website. And you can also email me directly at brad at liquidleadership.com. Uh, and that's about it. Uh, I've got I've got a lot of articles up that will help you in managing and expanding your business mm. and, and just winning the day in the 21st century. Fantastic. Well, Hacker Nation, make sure to head over to successhackers.net. That's successhackers.net. For this episode, show notes and recap from today's incredible interview with Brad, along with some other really cool resources we have on the site, all the show notes and everything that Brad talked about today and the links he just shared with us will be on that site. Oh, and when you're on the site, don't forget to click subscribe so that you don't miss any of these newest episodes. And please remember, if you're looking to explode your business this year, make sure to head over to Big Business Webinar. That's bigbusinesswebinar.com to grab your free training. This is Scott Hansen saying thanks again for listening to another episode of Success Hackers. Until the next show, go out and live with passion.